0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Soap opera. Yeah, I think that's how you probably assess where we're at right now with the Indianapolis Colts. Kevin Bowen back, another edition of the pod. Eddie Garrison. Eddie, welcome to the pod. You're officially... (laughs) um, You've been... I have officially been initiated. Initiated. I was looking for the word there. Yes, you've been initiated into Kevin's Corner. We post, the pod lives for an hour or two, and then gargantuan news breaks. It's funny, I was there were probably some moments in the Monday pod you can go back and listen to where I'm kind of <laughs> stuttering, or there was like a pause, and yeah. I was starting to get a little bit of intel into the announcement that was officially made by Frank Reich at 1.45 yesterday. For those that missed the Monday pod... I do think there's a lot of relevant Frank Wright coaching-related stuff in there. So, shamelessly, I will encourage you to listen to that. But I know some of you are probably like, that sounds miserable, so I do not want to go there. That's fine Uh and well. The focus today will obviously be on Sam Ellinger and Matt Ryan and that jarring decision that I think has merit. And I applaud the Colts, which it's kind of weird to applaud... Um, a mistake, but sometimes it's the first step in the grieving process of admittance and uh, some owner influence definitely behind that. Eddie Garrison, good Tuesday morning to you. This will be our second and final pod of the week. A ton to get to here. Again, Ellinger, Ryan relayed hid the draft. Excuse me, the draft. I guess we are looking at the draft, aren't we? Uh, The trade deadline is next Tuesday, and Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that on today's podcast as well. So this will be a nice, meaty one here on this tuesday morning um should we talk about the decision
1: yeah i was in kroger doing some grocery shopping with nice. uh, with the girlfriend and then my phone starts blowing up in my pocket and i'm like what the hell is going on so then i look down and i have four text messages and then i was like what's going on here and they're like well, we'll see you matt ryan see you matt ryan Ellinger time, and I'm like, what's happening? So then I checked my Twitter feed. I was like, oh, there's Ian Rappaport. Oh, there's Kevin Bowen. Oh, there's Stephen Holder and Adam Schefter, all saying that Matt Ryan has been benched for Sam Ellinger uh, and that the decision uh, would have happened either way of the injury. So just kind of want to start there, Kevin.
0: Yeah, let's get a little background before we get into Ellinger. Um, You know, yesterday was you know, a public admittance driven by the owner that the Colts continue to fail at finding a competent short-term or long-term answer at the most important position in sports. I I think to kind of summarize it and boil it down to one sentence, that's where you're at, Eddie. Um, You know, the Colts got here because and it's always been odd to me that Chris Ballard sold Jim Ursae on this idea of shortcuts at quarterback, Band-Aids, stopgap, however you want to describe it. And for those that are unfamiliar with it, and to be fair, I'm a little unfamiliar with it, but Jim Ursae was the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts at one point. We obviously know him as the owner for now 25-some years. He was the GM before that. And if you look at that Colts era and his general manager days – the Colts had a slew of quarterbacks. I mean, it was the Cleveland Browns shirt of quarterbacks before Peyton Manning and into Andrew Luck. And so I always thought to myself over the last few years about Irsay, like signing off on this approach from Ballard. I'm like, man, doesn't that go against like everything Ursay lived as GM?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he would know more so than anyone what it means to have – You know, a franchise quarterback, drafting one, building that person in your organization, growing, having him for the long term. Um, So again, all of that was just a little bit weird to me. Um, You know, Ballard again felt like, we'll let other people develop the quarterback. We're not going to go through the young quarterback growing pains. We don't have time for that. And we'll create this awesome environment. And boom. We'll just plug and play different QBs over the years. It sounded good. He sold his owner on it, uh, but it has not worked out. No playoff wins, no division titles, and now you're at a position where on October 24th you have no definite short-term or long-term answer at QB. And again, that's the jarring part to me. And the numbers are obviously eye-popping, Eddie, and I know the stat was going around a lot on Twitter yesterday of the... I, I take out the money that Andrew Luck was owed in 2018 or I guess 2019 and then what yeah I think Jimmer said I think it was like 30 million is what he ended up um getting owed. If you take that out, it's 115 million that you've, you know, sent to your quarterback position over those years. A first round pick for Wentz, a third rounder for Wentz. It's looking like a third rounder for Matt Ryan or it is a third rounder for M- Matt Ryan, I should say. And you've been, you know, seventh, eighth, and I guess right now you're what, like ninth in the AFC, something like that. So you've been just a middle of the pack of AFC team. Um, As far as the 2022 plan is concerned, and I know I've mentioned this on the pod before, but I just wanted to reiterate it. And Ballard has said on the record, we had no plan for quarterback this year. The plan was all about what other teams did. That the Colts would just insert themselves at some point in the offseason and that they would go with a quarterback. You know, I know I got laughed at a lot for, hey, um, I don't really want to spend any resources on any of these QBs because I think they're all mediocre to bad. Let's sign a Marcus Mariota, draft a quarterback, and just play the drafted QB, and Mariota is your backup. (laughs) And you bring him in on short yardage, you know, something like that. Um, But basically, Mariota, Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton, I'm sure there's other free agent quarterbacks from last offseason that I'm forgetting about, but Ballard told Frank Reich, evaluate them, let me know your thoughts. Frank did that, went back to Chris Ballard and said, they all stink. (laughs) So Ballard said, okay, let's just wait for the last one. I think Trubisky might have been the first one then went to Pittsburgh, he's just like, you know, screw it. If, if they don't matter, then let's just wait for the last one. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe right before the Ryan trade happened, I thought there were some Winston Colts whispers kind of right around there. So I think they were waiting, you know, okay, if we can't get any of these guys, we'll insert ourselves at the last moment, and we'll see if we can, you know, find one of them. Mm-hmm. Then the other plan, which obviously is what ended up happening, or I should say plan, I guess, more of a hope was Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Dominoes, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson, Dominoes, let those three big-name quarterbacks play out. We don't have a first-round pick, so we can't get involved seriously with any of those guys. But if they go to a team that has an established quarterback, then maybe that quarterback becomes expendable, and boom, something happens there. Didn't see it with Green Bay, of course, because Rodgers went back there. Russell Wilson goes from um, Seattle uh, Seattle to Denver. Drew Locke just goes to Seattle, so no nothing really happened there. Then the Deshaun Watson situation plays out. Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield available. Boom. There is Matt Ryan. Um you know, I thought it was very accurate by Frank Reich yesterday to point out the lack of support that they have failed to deliver with Matt Ryan. Um and I think it's Jim Mercy simply stepping in and saying, all right, I know a lot of this to, to people screams tank. I really think Jim Mercy believes that this can be an upgrade in the short term. Now, some might laugh at Jim Irsay for that comment, but I think Jim Mercy looks at it and says, this dude is turning the ball over unlike anybody else in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And he's a statue behind a broken offensive line. So can we find a quarterback that does not turn the ball over to that degree? And can we find a quarterback that can make some plays with his legs? So I think that is why you've had Ursay push for this now for several weeks. Um, Listeners of this podcast will hear this and know that I've said it many times before, but I just think it's good to kind of lay out everything here up front. My belief with quarterback all along has been, if you go Band-Aid, you better be a legit January threat. I'm talking one of the final teams standing in the entire playoffs. And if that's not, you're wasting precious reps for a young quarterback to go and develop. That's how I view it. Sustained success. Ursay wants two Lombardis within a decade. I think fans should love that mindset from the owner. Should love it. And I think the best opportunity to achieve that is with a young quarterback that grows and can be your guy for x amount of years um it's why you know in years past i've said a veteran backup no if you have a band-aid at quarterback or maybe like a short term is probably more of the better way to say it like rivers you know if you've got a short-term guy there at qb well if rivers were to tear his acl in week seven i didn't need to see any more jacoby i'd seen jacoby Play the young guy. Find some youth. Have a guy. And I think that's where the ounce of hope comes. Like, Matt Ryan is being benched. Mm -hmm. Let's rejoice they didn't go to Nick Foles. We know what Nick Foles is. Now they're going to get an answer on a guy that we've never seen throw an NFL pass. And I am a huge believer in that. And that's where I applaud. It's an ounce of hope. You guys know that my thoughts on Ellinger, and I'm really curious to see Ellinger because He took a stride in the preseason that I didn't think he had really inside of him. Now I'm curious to see it against NFL Speed on a Sunday, etc. But now it is simply you are getting an answer on the most important position in sports with a young guy. And the franchise hasn't done that. The franchise has not done that in quite some time. Um, So again, Eddie, it is jarring that it's not Halloween and Matt Ryan has been benched. I can only imagine what like the Ryan family thinks of this. They're going to be like, what? We just bought a house on a beautiful golf course here in the Indianapolis suburbs, and this is what's happening? Uh, is there merit behind the decision? Yes. The turnovers, for sure. Now, some of it, you didn't support Ryan, but this is the bed that you're going to live in for 2022. Um, and you know what? I did this with the Pacers around the trade deadline last year. The Pacers waited too long, just like the Colts have waited too long. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you've got to admit that you are wrong and say it's time to move on. And for me, since Andrew Luck retired and shocked the world in late August 2019, this is the first podcast I've ever recorded where I've said to myself, here is some actions from the franchise that point towards the future of that position. I guess a little bit with Carson Wentz, but even then, like, you, you had to straws. have skepticism there, and you had to have, like, wait, why did Philly say no? Why did Philly draft Jalen Hurts? All those things. Um, teams often wait too long, and I get it. We all want to believe in what we've done. <laughs> we all want to support the belief and the actions that we've taken. That's, that's human instinct. I mean, hell, if I getting into a fight with my wife, I, you know, I'm going to stand my ground, I'm going to believe in it, and finally admitting <laughs> and saying that you're sorry is a big, big deal. Um, and now here you are, leading into the final ten games of the season, and you're going to get a beautiful evaluation on Sam Ellinger, and what a golden opportunity for him. So uh, that's a little bit, I think, decision-wise behind it. Um, again, is Sam Ellinger, Tyrese Halliburton – no. And when you traded Sabonis for Halliburton, it was the first step, and you got immediate return that, that gave you hope. Ellinger is not there. But when you know the answer is not working for you, you've got to move on. And that's what they're doing here with Matt Ryan. Um, again, heavy Jim Irsay influence. I think Chris Bauer and Frank Reich like a lot of what Sam Ellinger brings, but this does not happen without the owner. And you know what? I'm sure, Eddie, it's a little bit of Frank Reich saying to himself, well, I was going to cuss, but Frank is not a cusser, saying to himself, shoot, I'm no dummy. Dadgummit. (laughs) I'm no dummy. I know full well what the owner thinks of Ellinger, and I know what the owner thought of Carson Wentz last season. I should probably side with the owner in this one, and and I do think there is – and sure, does it bother you that maybe Ursay has to step in and the owner's got to meddle a little bit? Yeah, it's probably not great. I'm not too um, fed up with that. Uh, but I think the turnover's really frustrated. Ursay from Ryan. And I think he's always had a little bit of crush on Sam Ellinger.
1: I could see that both ways. Now I was doing some research, and a grade-two separated shoulder is typically a 6-10 to 10 week recovery timetable. So the next part of this that I'm looking to is – do they put Matt Ryan on IR? Frank Reich, I, I
0: don't know if he said it with us or maybe he said it on Colts Roundtable Live last night. I thought he said that he felt like if they were going to stick with Ryan, they could have shot up the shoulder and he potentially would have played on Sunday. A, a question that I have for Frank Reich tomorrow is, will Matt Ryan go on an injured reserve? Yeah. You know, and, and again, Eddie, this can get into our trade discussion here a week from today. If Matt Ryan... Is healthy. Sam Ellinger obviously is healthy. He hasn't, he hasn't played this year. If Matt Ryan's healthy, there's no reason he needs to be on this football team next Tuesday. You know, maybe you wait till Sunday and if Jalen Hurts tears ACL, if Kirk Cousins tears ACL, if insert, you know, a team in the playoff race, Josh Allen gets hurt, Jimmy Garoppolo. And for some reason, a team out there is like, hey guys, we're in too good a position. We should try and go get a Foles. We should try and go get a Ryan. By all means, If I'm the Colts, by all means, do that. Obviously, I'm curious to see if the Colts will add a practice squad quarterback. I would assume that's necessary right now um, for where you're at. Um, I did find it interesting, Eddie, that the Colts decided not to hide behind Matt Ryan's injury with us. Yeah, I know, right? Couldn't you have said Matt Ryan is hurt? We'll evaluate it this week. Sam's going to take the reps. We'll see how it plays out. Again, they could have put Ryan on IR. That's probably the most transparent thing they've done under this regime. Without question. And to me, that screams of more of Jim Merce behind this. Um, And I think you saw that in the press conference yesterday out of um, Frank Reich. Anything else decision-related before we get into Ellinger?
1: Uh, Other than Matt Ryan's, like, when you just look at the landscape of his career, only missing... 3 games right prior to this year now he's going to miss the final 10 i mean he had been a true iron man if you want to use that uh terminology but other than that that's kind of all i all i've got in terms of the decision aspect of this i do think um something that i want to make clear
0: and and i think we have but just in case you know you've missed it you know this was not a decision that was based off of Matt Ryan's injury you know, and you know I said on yesterday's podcast, I feel like I've noticed Matt Ryan either favoring things more or just a lack of velocity
1: and I did like, s- and then Holder put a tweet out um yesterday morning during your morning show and it was toward like I think the tail end during the nine o'clock hour about. Uh, that he noticed Matt Ryan was the last person to leave the locker room, and he was yep. spending a lot of time with the trainers after the game.
0: And if I'm not mistaken, I think they said maybe even grimacing, like putting on his clothes, like th- things like that. Uh, he's taking a ton of hits, and I felt like there were some throws on Sunday, Eddie, where I'm like, oh, just got to Paris Campbell in yeah, time. Yeah, you or mentioned like, that, yeah. You know, oh, but you know, gosh, Pittman, you know, basket catching those balls, you know, some some of those where I'm like, man, I'm just I'm noticing it a little bit more with that. Um, So I think that covers everything behind the scenes. You know, you guys know full well, and I've said it now for several weeks in the podcast, that the promotion of Sam Ellinger to backup was, again, largely coming from the owner, and I think some of this is there. What does that say about Frank Reich? What does that say about Chris Ballard? Uh, Probably not great. Those are some bigger questions we can get into a little bit later in the pod and even on future pods, but um, yeah. Uh,
1: What's kind of your first initial thoughts on – Ellinger taking over now for Matt Ryan.
0: Well, obviously his greatest asset as a quarterback is the ability to do some things with his legs. You know, Frank really pointed out yesterday, you know, Sam can not only keep plays alive, but I mean, Eddie, how many times, you know, I'm sure any team with a statute quarterback says this, how many times do you think a Colts fan has watched a game this season and been like, just run? You know, like there's been those little areas open for Matt Ryan on a third and three to make a play. Um, and he just doesn't because, again, he, he that's the, not his game. Ellinger can do that. We all saw it in the preseason. He did that a ton at Texas. You know, Ellinger's a stocky dude. He's 6'3", 2, I bet he's listed at 220. Um, he's well built, and he can still run. I mean, he's not Lamar Jackson. Um, I think it's kind of funny they're playing Washington on Sunday. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I do think Taylor Heineke is a decent comparison for Ellinger. I'm curious to see how much they tap into the run-pass option stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that was missing without Matt Ryan. Sam Ellinger should help you out big time there. And he simply should just make a defensive end stay at home for that second longer. Whereas that defensive end crashing immediately and making a play on Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, or Deion Jackson in the backfield, now that defensive end has got to think twice. Those are some areas where I think Ellinger can really, really help you out. And, you know, I, I heard this from some people yesterday. Sam Ellinger is a pretty entertaining watch. So, yeah. you know, from the boring category, I, I don't think he's going to give that. Like, you know, you kind of knew once that pocket started to collapse, the play was over with Ryan. I, I don't necessarily think you'll feel that with
1: Ellinger. Um, That's the one thing I am interested in, though, is, like, the RPO is such a big part of today's NFL. Like, right. you look at Kansas City, uh, they they are they have made it a staple in everyone's playbook with the RPO, the quick slants, the drags over the middle. Now you're seeing it more in Miami with the speed they have in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So uh, that's something I'm interested in watching. And the second part of the Sam Ellinger that we're talking about that you were talking about there, Kevin was his mobility. Yeah, he's very mobile, but that was a lot of the plays he made in the preseason were out of the pocket and on the run, moving to his left and moving to his right.
0: It's a really good point. Um, Him getting out of the pocket, doing some things in the preseason. Yeah, you didn't see him make a ton of stuff, I think, from the pocket. Now, Reich is pretty bullish in thinking that he has taken a stride there. I guess that that gets into the second point. One of the biggest questions I've always had with Ellinger is his ability down the field, which, honestly, is very reminiscent to Matt Ryan. Um, I've always looked at arm strength as kind of a trait that it's really hard to develop once you get to the NFL. Mm Mm-hmm. The Colts are very bullish in believing that Ellinger has tapped into some of that from a um, Tom House decision and working with him. His motion has changed a little bit. I I guess I noticed a little bit of it in the preseason. You know, I don't know if like I find myself making like baseball pitching mile per hour analogies way too often. <laughs> but like I don't know if he went from eighty four to ninety four. But did he go from 84 to 88? You know, that is a, that is something that I think I probably saw. I do think it's key that at times you can cover up a lack of arm strength or velocity. I think so, so, so often we focus on arm strength. I think velocity is probably something you should focus on a little bit more, how quickly the ball gets to a certain area. Um, you can throw with anticipation, which can kind of make up for arm strength. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're throwing that guy open... Then you don't have to, you know, write those checks that maybe your arm can't totally cash if you're waiting too long, to, um, to throw. Um, So that is a question that I have of like, when he left Texas, I think a big reason why he fell to the sixth round because because he started at Texas for four years. The biggest, one of the biggest questions for him was his arm strength, and I think people were like, "Uh, that's not going to develop in the NFL. You know why would I spend a third rounder on him or a fourth rounder on him? Yeah. Um, Has he improved there? And, And you know he he and this is the high character guy in Ellinger. He was very willing to do that, and you saw some differences. Now the question becomes, Eddie, he did it against guys that are probably XFL, AFL, CFL bound. Now you're doing it on a Sunday, and now teams are game planning against you. That is probably the biggest question now for Ellinger is the Washington Commanders will have a very quick scouting report on Ellinger and to summarize it and totally dumb it down and totally simplify it, it'll say, hmm, we should probably watch out for his legs and we should probably make him prove that he can throw the ball down the field. No preseason defense ever did that with Sam Ellinger. So how does he react to that? A couple other things I'm curious about. You know, he's thrown to a lot of new guys. Mm-hmm. You know, who is he really thrown to in this group? You know, I guess maybe some of the tight ends, but, you know, maybe a little bit of Pierce, but I think Nick Foles threw mostly to Pierce during camp. Um, so it's different with Pittman and Mo Cox. Insert your no-one-throws-to-Mo Cox anyways right now <laughs> joke for how limited he's been targeted here in recent weeks. Uh, but obviously, you know, Matt Ryan built up a whole lot of offseason reps, preseason reps, regular season reps with these guys. That'll be new for Ellinger. Are they on the same page? Do you see some of that stuff that's missing there? One thing that Frank Reich, I felt like, always mentioned was Sam Ellinger does a great job of finding simple well. You know, from a processing standpoint, I don't think you're overly worried about it. Again, it's NFL game speed. It's a Sunday. It's a regular season game. That'll be different. But I don't think you're as worried about that as maybe you were with Jacob Eason if you were going to throw him. In yeah. the mix a couple years ago. Um, and I get back to this question, which is related to Matt Ryan, Eddie, and I think Peyton Manning honestly said it last night. He says it a lot during the Manning Casts when they're watching these quarterbacks play, and it's a it's a frequent Manning you know, referencing kind of his core beliefs about playing quarterback. One of the most important jobs of the quarterback is get your offense out of bad plays. Realize that pre-snap, get them out of the bad play. If you realize it post-snap, don't make the bad play worse. We saw that way too often with Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. We saw it Sunday. Frank Reich, admittedly, Put Matt Ryan in a bad play on the pick six. Matt Ryan's got to realize that post snap, and he's got to make sure that play does not become catastrophic. So, with Ellinger, can he just? Does he process that? Can he do it? And then once it happens post snap, you know where's that balance in wanting to keep some plays alive because you have athletic traits to do that, but all of a sudden knowing when to eat it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I think for any quarterback, particularly a mobile one, particularly a young one, I think will be something uh to keep an eye on. Um and, and then just lastly with Ellinger. He'll throw his first NFL regular season pass on Sunday. <laughs> like it is still different. Eddie, you've heard me say it a thousand times, there's no position in sports that's more different from practice than a game than quarterback. You yep. literally wear a different color jersey. Um I don't think you're going to have a huge deer in headlights look to him. He's been through a lot on and off the field in his life. But there still is that element of if you get to the fourth quarter on Sunday and the Colts are down four with two minutes and 30 seconds to go and Sam Ellinger takes over at his own 25, how does he react? How does he react? Um, I think he's an easy guy to root for. The story is Hollywood-like. It's tragic, but it's (laughs) Hollywood-like. I think you watch... You watch him at Grand Park. You watch him in the preseason. You can see why he's so beloved as a Texas football, you know, as a as a Texan, I guess. Hook him. Um, hook him, baby. We're back. We've all seen that clip of him at the Sugar Bowl from a few years back. Um, we were talking a little IU basketball history on our morning show today, and for IU basketball fans, like, what Sam Ellinger is at Texas almost has like a Tom Coverdale, the Indiana feel. <laughs> One of your own, not blessed with like third base tra- traits of like, he doesn't look like Josh Allen playing quarterback. Yeah. But he's a guy that just, there's something about him that you want to follow, you want to get behind. And does that continue to translate? It's continued at every level of his football life. Does that continue to translate? And how does the locker room react to this? I think we'll wait for that maybe during Twitter questions, Eddie. Yeah. But, um. I think that is a great, great question as well. Anything Ellinger front to get to before we get to a little trade deadline chatter?
1: Uh, when I just try to think of like quarterbacks around the league that are very similar to him or, you know, that he could potentially play like.
0: Yeah. Who, the, who'd you come up with?
1: Uh, Taylor Heineke, like right. right off the bat that you mentioned. And then Jalen Hurts for me. Yeah, because Hertz very similar, 6'1", 223, Ellinger, 6'1", or 222, both 24 years old, both with question marks coming out of college. Of course, Hurts coming from more predominant uh, college teams in Alabama and in Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and Nick Saban. Um, can Sam Ellinger develop into what a kind of a player like Jalen Hurts is like early on in Hurts' career and even more today as well? He likes to run when he's in an in, in a situation where he doesn't feel comfortable. He in de- that is what Nick Sirianni has uh preached him only two interceptions this year so he's taking care of the football. So can Sam Ellinger kind of be like a uh Jalen Hurts for a lack of a better example um in the NFL?
0: Yeah, I would be very surprised by um if like Ellinger just totally shits the bed and they lose 10 straight. <laughs> You know, like, I I don't, I I don't think it's that. Um, There are elements to Ellinger's game that I think he can be really steady and can kind of manage it pretty well. And again, keep some plays alive, keep some drives alive with his legs. The question for me just comes down to, it's just such a massive step. You know, insert your Neil Armstrong quote on the moon here, but it's just such a giant leap to now playing on an nfl sunday and more than anything now this team is game planning for you and whoever the defensive coordinators for the commanders has watched 40 sam ellinger starts from texas in the last 24 hours and bill belichick will be game planning against him next week you know that it that's different (laughs) and ellinger has not faced that since his texas days right um So what that looks like now is the biggest jump. But just to summarize everything, again, applaud. I'm applauding the admittance of a mistake, and I'm applauding that now the franchise is saying, we're not going to go to Nick Foles, we're going to go to Sam Ellinger, and we're going to get an answer on a young QB. Because far too often, Eddie, and I get it's difficult, but I think far too often teams draft a quarterback, but you never really give them a chance. Mm Mm-hmm. Sometimes those chances just don't arise, but sometimes they do arise, and yet the team is too afraid to even go there. They'd rather say, yeah, are one of one of those McCown brothers still available?
1: <laughs>
0: you know, the, the, they choose to go safe. And I felt that way about Jacob Eason, about like, you know what, if you're going to draft the dude in the fourth round, what you say on draft day when you make that pick is, guys, at some point, we're gonna have to throw Eason in there. And it might look really bad, but you never know until you truly throw him in there. Good or bad. You you, you never know. Eddie, for fifteen minutes last night, Bailey Zappi was having a statue next to Tom Brady outside Gillette uh-huh. Stadium. Yeah. And again, that's what you gotta find out. You gotta throw him in the fire. Monday night football. You gotta see what exactly you have with these guys. And I know it's a little different with the Mac Jones situation and his health and all of that. But um, that's what the Colts are doing and kudos to them for doing it and in a weird way sam ellinger might be playing to save frank reich's job
1: very well should be the case was
0: quite the burden for him but what an opportunity for sam ellinger six round picks dream of this dream you're in year two and a franchise that is three three and one has given you 10 games i mean you've got
1: jonathan taylor
0: Dream. Again, yes, you have Taylor, and obviously the support around him has got to prove themselves as well. But this is not Sam Ellinger walking into a 3-10 and football team that has six dudes on injured reserve that are all pro bowlers. So what a beautiful chance, and uh, I'm eager to see what happens.
1: Uh, Yesterday we teased up that we would do a little bit of a dive into some trade deadline chatter in terms of which Colts we could see um, them taking calls on. I put a tweet out yesterday regarding this. I got a handful of tweets, so I'll run through the quick numbers on what I gathered. Uh, The most frequent names that I got on fans. and, And fill us in on how you worded this again. Um. Let us let me pull up the tweet real quick. Um. These would be expendable players? Correct. These would be players that you would listen to? Yes. I said, uh, with Ellinger news, K-Bowen and I will have another pod tomorrow uh, instead of Wednesday. And as we tease today, uh, we will take a look at some of the Colts we think are expendable or tradable. Um, drop three names on who you think could be on the move. That was the tweet uh, that I put out. Uh, the two names that got the most attention uh ryan kelly i think i got like five or six tweets kelly was on five of them uh Shaq leonard was on three of them those were the two top names that i received on who fans would like to see ex- moved at the trade deadline um some other notable names unique and naheem hines kenny moore um one name that i thought was a little odd that stood out moali cox and uh jonathan taylor obviously mm-hmm.
0: it's really interesting um Eddie, next Tuesday, November 1st, will be the trade deadline. Um, I think we know this, but the NFL is typically quiet around the trade deadline. Uh, the Colts' last in-season trade would be Trent Richardson. Um, huh. Probably just stop the pod there, but uh, you know, we know full well that this franchise, and again, it's kind of the norm around the league, you don't typically see a lot of trades. I, I realize it's difficult sometimes to plug and play. It's not tell the guy, go play second base and he plays second base pretty similar to how he played second base with the Tigers, or et cetera. Um, I've always looked at the trade deadline as, okay, if you're going to buy, if you're going to be a buyer at the deadline, if you're going to do what San Francisco did with Christian McCaffrey, you've got to sit there and say to yourself, we feel like we are one piece away from being a Super Bowl team, and that this move is going to insert us into that conversation. Yeah. Obviously, the Colts do not fall into that boat. Um, I don't look at them and think, you know, Boy, if they just trade a draft pick for a left tackle, boom, they're going to be there. Obviously, what left tackles are available that would fit that mold. Um I am firmly in the category of I think they should be a seller. And I realize when I say seller, I think it's I don't know, it's kind of an eye-popping word to use or eye-hearing word or hearing word, or however you would say it. Um, I'm not acting like all of a sudden it's like, "Oh yeah, the Colts are going to absolutely, you know, blow it all up and all the guys on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium are going to be gone. I I do not envision that happening at all. um, But I would be listening to – no one on this roster is untouchable. Let me start there. I'd be listening to anyone and everyone on my team. Some names that pop into my mind, Eddie. Again, Nick Foles and Matt Ryan. Health dependent with Matt Ryan. Uh. Other teams and their quarterback needs, definitely. But if Sam Ellinger is the guy the rest of the year, I don't see the need for Matt Ryan or Nick Foles. Uh-huh. Um, Ryan Kelly is a name I thought about. And then I would say a couple names on defense. I And I get this is complicated. I would listen, potentially reach out to teams about Shaquille Leonard. Bobby Okereke and E.J. Speed are in contract years. They're not going to break the bank. Obviously, Bobby more than E.J. is probably going to earn a nice contract somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you have questions about Shaquille Leonard getting back to the level, and again, getting back to the turnover level, because that's that's the thing missing right now, and that's his greatest asset. If you've got questions about that, you know, a Franklin Okereke speed grouping moving forward at a position that, again, I don't hold as in high regard as others on the football team that's something that I would look into very complicated if you're a team absorbing Leonard you would obviously want heavy medical history into that yeah um, and so that's really complicated but that's a name that that you know is kind of popping into my mind um, this one I don't love but you know what the emergence of a seventh round pick out of Yale what about Julian Blackman yeah Blackman, I think, played, was it like a dozen snaps, maybe a little bit more than that on Sunday? Rodney Thomas still took the majority of snaps with Blackman back to practice. So, again, these are just names that I would definitely listen here. No one is untouchable. There's a price tag for everyone, but there's also a price tag that I'd be willing to listen to a little bit more because of what your draft capital looks like in April. And this is very relevant to Washington and Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is on injured reserve. It's very much looking like that's going to be a third-rounder, not a second-rounder. You don't have your third-rounder next year because of the Nick Cross trade. So, you're sitting here at the draft, and as I look at the draft order right now, Eddie, the Colts are what, like 16 or 17? And you look Uh, at the top five, and you've got the Lions, and you've got the Panthers, and you've got the Texans. Those three are all taking a quarterback, right? So, if you're trying to formulate a trade package, if you're trying to gauge where you need to move up in the draft, trying to get additional draft capital is massive, and more so than any other year, I would argue in the Ballard era, this trade deadline has got to be explored from more of a selling standpoint. I'm not holding my breath that that'll happen, but I think it's very important that the Colts take this extremely serious Realize this is a potential opportunity to flee someone in a little bit of a desperation mode and try and get to that answer as a long term quarterback. Anything you want to chime in with, Eddie? I got one more thought, but just anything there?
1: I think if they were to finally, you know, break the trend, for lack of a better phrase and make a move at the deadline, I think you need to move one of those guys that's on a heavy contract. Whether that's DeForest Buckner, whether that's Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, or Brayden Smith. I think one of those four, um, or and Shaq, so five, I think you have to move one of those five to open up some cap space. Because if Matt Ryan is gone at the end of this year, whether that's trade or whether that's you know he's cut waived or whatever the phrasing or whatever the terminology they use he's going to leave a big cap hit um for next year and it, it wouldn't leave you any room to sign anybody and if you are and if you are embracing and if this is all assuming Sam Ellinger plays well he shows that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL then this is like the dream scenario that we have been talking about For years, right. The best way to develop a winning team in the NFL is to have a rookie contract at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yes, because then you can spend money on other places like like the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes, like the Chargers are doing around Justin Herbert, like the Buffalo Bills did around Josh Allen.
0: I would say the last thing Eddie trade wise is, and one name seems to be kind of fresh my mind more than others. And this is and I, I want to make this very clear, this is my opinion. I'm not saying this from an educated guest standpoint. The educated guest stuff was Sam Ellinger related in recent weeks. Um and, and I, I hope I made that clear. I, I one of my big goals on the podcast is to make it clear when I'm just throwing something out there or if I'm saying something from substance. This is strictly me throwing something out there. If you're Stefan Gilmore, would any part of you want to go to Chris Boward and be like Hey man, you're going to a QB that's not throwing a single pass in the NFL. Like, I'm a little turned off by that. I came here trying to win a Super Bowl. I'm I'm thirty two. Like, I I don't like that. I don't I'm worried that we have one eye looking towards the future and that doesn't kind of fit where I'm at. Um I wanna be a good pro about this. If you see something out there trade wise, will you please entertain it? Again, Ellinger, or excuse me, Gilmore kind of fits the mold just because he's been here for less than a year. He's 32. He plays a position that is of premium value. Mm-hmm. He's played pretty good football for you this season. I would think he would entertain some looks.
1: Um, and when you consider, uh, I mean, a team that immediately popped out to my mind was Buffalo. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries in yeah, their secondary. And
0: Xavier Rhodes, he got hurt right away. Yeah,
1: I don't know if Tredavious White is healthy, and I I can't remember if their second cornerback's healthy either. So Yeah,
0: well, the rookie, Elam, I think has had some up, uh, ups and downs. So, yeah, yeah I, I, you know, again, Eddie, that is a name. And, you know, is there anybody else in that locker room? I, I don't know if anyone kind of fits the Gilmore bill for me of, like, would have that clout. Would be someone that Ballard would respect in that, mm-hmm. you know, in that mold. You know, in a way, it would allow you to get Isaiah Rodgers on the field a little bit more. I don't. Know, some might say it would mean more Brandon Face on, which, yeah, okay. Um, hmm. But I don't know. I I just I think that's a rowdy. When you make such a drastic move like the Colts just did, benching Matt Ryan, Eddie, one week ago people were like, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice, fourth quarter comeback, blah, 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 blah. And now he's benched. That's got to be jarring inside that locker room.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: I know we got a sort of question on that, so may I hold off on a little bit more, but um, those are my trade deadline thoughts. Again, coming up Tuesday, 4 o'clock, so you've got one game to, um, um, to further evaluate where you're at right now, but... Although I don't think Jim Merce wanting to move with Sam Ellinger is a clear sign of him saying, blow it up. And I, I don't think you should blow it up. Let me make that very clear. I don't even think this is anywhere like the the Pacers. I mean, the Pacers, to me, needed a huge rebuild. Yeah. This is a rebuild, and again, the most important position in sports is a part of that rebuild, so it's massive in that realm. But I still think there's a lot of important pieces that you have on this football team. It's just rare to potentially make trades in the NFL. This is a time where you find teams that are desperate. Some A lot of people look at what San Francisco did and say, that's desperation. Yeah. So can you fleece, can you acquire additional draft capital as the Wentz trade looks like it's going to be a third rounder, not a second rounder? The fact that you look at the top five right now and you, and you see Carolina and you see Houston and you see Detroit, I think it's an opportunity to potentially enter the room and, Go with something there.
1: Uh, the interesting part to me with Carolina is um, Matt Corral. hasn't played yet. Uh, injured reserve, so I don't know how they view him yeah, in that a, regard. Wasn't that a pretty serious injury? Um, I think he, like, it broken ankle? Injury. I
0: thought what it was ankle.
1: Uh, yeah, I
0: thought Washington. Foot. 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 I yeah. thought uh, Washington might go with Sam Howe. Right. You know, over Heineke, but... Maybe Ron Rivera saying, I'm kind of coaching for my job here. Let's see if we can resurrect things with Heineke. So, uh, anything else, trade value front, before we get to Twitter questions?
1: Uh, I don't have anything else, so I was just going to hop. Uh, right into Twitter questions. The first one comes from Josh. Uh, what's your best guess on how the locker room will respond to Sam Ellinger advancing to QB1? From an outside perspective, I'm having a hard time figuring it out um, if there is a real conviction from the team's leadership that this will work in winning more games or if they are merely trying to see what they have in Sam and sort of tanking for a better pick along the way. I am torn on this decision personally. I guess the recent Jacksonville game gave me a glimmer of hope with the current situation, but on the other hand, I'm excited to see what Ellinger can do on Sundays.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really really um, relevant question. Eddie, I could see the side of the lot. I could see two sides of the locker room, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I could see a side of the locker room that says this to the earlier point of, holy shit, last week we're, we're praising this guy and he's Matty Ice and fourth quarter comebacks and you know, he's been there, done that, and I feel confidence in the fourth quarter and and now we're going to a guy that's never thrown a pass in the NFL and, and we're 3-3-1? Three, three and one? Mm-hmm. I think that's one side of the locker room. I think the other side of it is saying, hey, this dude leads the league in interceptions and fumbles. If I was playing my position, 32nd ranked in such an important statistic, I probably would be cut. So I love the move. <laughs> like he, He's the reason why he's putting us in these situations and needing fourth quarter comebacks. If we correct the turnovers and get out of our own way offensively, now we can breathe again and we can tap into some stuff. I could see both sides of it. I do think, and I made this point earlier, and part of this is, I think, Sam Ellinger's style. I just think players gravitate towards quarterbacks that can make plays with their legs. Yeah. Like, when you watch Ellinger in the preseason and you remember the social media reaction to him, I think frequently it was guys being like, Sammy E! Oh my gosh, did you see him today? You know, all that stuff. Like that, that That's what the vibe was. And I just think naturally... I think it's what made Andrew Luck really likable. It's like, guys like when you're showing toughness, you're keeping a play alive. Like, watch an NFL game and watch a quarterback dive for a first down near his own sideline and get it, and watch the reaction from the bench.
1: to attack of Iowa, lowering his shoulder well, in the first game back yeah, after yeah. Uh,
0: coming from a concussion. Yeah, that's that's for a much bigger story. But you know what I'm getting at? of. like, yeah. I just think guys really appreciate that. So... Um, I'm really torn on where things are um, inside that locker room. I could see both of it, but that that's a great question, Josh. I, I think they'll like his style of play. Obviously, you've got to produce. There will be some that will be skeptics, but I think there will be others. I think is a pretty likable dude. Easy to root for, yeah. easy to follow, and again,
1: it's an ounce of hope. Uh, Next one comes from David. Uh, With the news breaking out of Sam being QB1, how much of a leash should he have? Obviously, he's either the future or he's not. So if you were in the position of Frank Reich or Jim Irsay, how long do you give Sam? Um, Is there even a reason to put in Nick Foles? Uh, Is it make or break? Uh, Since we're basically playing with fire, always looking for help to even sniff a wild card, let alone the division. Thanks, yeah, Kevin.
0: I, yeah, Nick Foles and Matt Ryan do not need to take another snap the rest of the season. I guess Nick Foles hasn't taken a snap yet, but there's no reason to turn to them. Ellinger, Ellinger, Ellinger. I feel like I'm Gus Johnson. Brandon King would be yelling Ellinger right now like he did last week on the podcast. <laughs> Gus Johnson voice:
1: Ellinger!
0: In the Red River
1: shootout. <laughs> Iconic. Um, Only way I think you ever see one of those two guys is if Sam got hurt.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, the, the leash is long. And, like, there is an element of, like... You do need to commit to Ellinger, I think, for like, just from a sample size standpoint, at least yep. a month. remember the question we had on, on late on the podcast on Monday, Eddie, about like Ellinger playing after the bye week? That would have been a four game. Um, evaluation there. Obviously he's going to get much, much more than that. but I think four is like a good like baseline sample of like, okay, that's at least something to turn to. Um, again, full 10 games, Sam Ellinger every snap. No questions asked in my
1: opinion. Uh, next question comes from Jay. Uh, was the front-loaded divisional matchups a blessing in disguise if the Colts are pulling the plug this early and get hopefully the next guy? Specific, I think he's discussing quarterback. Jay,
0: I, I would agree with you. I Entering every season, I try to share what I think is like the biggest question that needs to be answered in a season. And... For example, last year at the Pacers, my biggest question, and it was rather obvious, was you finally need to get an answer on Turner and Sabonis. More than anything. Wins and losses, screw them. You gotta get an answer on Turner and Sabonis. For the Colts, I feel that way about quarterback. And I felt that way about quarterback for several years now. Like, the thing that I liked about last season was you made a a decision on Carson Wentz. It was, I guess, a bad decision in that he's not your franchise quarterback, but at least you made that decision. That's where I'm at right now. It's Mm -hmm. you have got to answer the biggest question who or what it needs to be at quarterback. So uh, maybe it took the front loaded divisional slate. Maybe that was kind of the extra venom that Ursay needed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's a sour taste to live with, but if that gets you the answer, You'll look back on this in a few years and be fine with it.
1: I'm going to put you on the spot. This one was sent in from Brett last night. Uh, it's not on our rundown for Twitter questions. Uh, he tweeted at us, and I said, and he said, I'm sure I won't be the only one asking, and from the rundown, it looks like he is the only one asking this question, but what combination of personnel uh, personal, or team stats would have to happen for the Colts to look at Sam Ellinger as the long-term option going into the 2023 draft?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, Brett. Really good question. Um, I want to make this very clear, Eddie. I'm not sure if there is anything outside of 22 touchdowns and no picks and a 9-1 record that would get me to say quarterbacks off the board in next year's draft. Again, Ellinger was taken in the sixth round for a reason. There are just some physical traits that I think he just lacks. And I'm a big believer in that you, you, you try and find – the physical traits you can't necessarily teach and try to develop a little bit more of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, um, more from the processing standpoint. Um, So I think stats that you're obviously looking towards, though, that are key metrics, like yards per attempt and completion percentage are always two that I come back to. Um, I would expect Ellinger's completion percentage to be decent, to better than decent. The yards per attempt I think is the bigger one. Like Mm -hmm. Matt Ryan, for example, I've got the box score right here from Sunday Eddie. 33 of 44. That's 75%. It's a really strong percentage. 5.5 yards per attempt. That is horrific. That yep. is I would venture to guess one of the bottom Matt Ryan's played what? 200 some games in his NFL career. I'd be willing to bet that 5.5 yards per attempt is one of the bottom 20 games of his career. Like that's awful. It's one of the worst games in a in a season. You can have, and again, to reiterate, that was against the 32nd ranked pass defense, which only adds to it more. So, I think those are some of the things that you're looking for out of Ellinger. Um, I think I'd be looking at some of the downfield throws. Can he? Does he take those chances, and does he hit on those chances? I think those are some things that you're looking for as well. Um, As much as Matt Ryan had some issues, Eddie, Matt Ryan did a brilliant job of consistently giving Alec Pierce a chance on those deep balls. Mm -hmm. He gave him a chance. Like, Ellinger's got to do that stuff. You've got to make sure you've got the right ball placement and the right 1st – I'm totally missing on the phrase I want to use, hang time is what's popping in my head. Air underneath the ball, I guess would be the proper way to say it. For Pierce to not have to – Touch, thank you. Um, for Pierce not to have to break stride, those sorts of things. Um, I think those are some of the things that I'd be looking for. Um, And I don't want this to sound like a knock on Ellinger. And 10 games is a big, big sample. But he would have to do absurd stuff for me to, again, totally eliminate quarterback off of it. Because in all likelihood, Eddie, you're going to be drafting the top half of round one. Again, it's the golden opportunity to be in a position to where the trade up is not as massive as it was last year, you know, or I should say two years ago when you took Quiddy Pay early in the twenties. And you know, I, I've I've said this all along. I you know, like a Justin Fields and a Jalen Hurts. Those are a couple names that I just keep on coming back to. Of if the Colts knew Fields would fall to where he fell, and then was there a disagreement, Reich like Ballard internally wise on Hurts? I. I think it's a fair question to be asked. Um, You you can't continue to sit there and say, "Well, man, wasn't meant to be." (laughs) No, no, no. You've got to go to that garage sale, and garage sale isn't the right way, but like, you got to go and find it, Eddie. Um, as I take off my my wedding ring, this is relevant, Eddie. uh, From a wedding ring standpoint, yeah. um, You know, there might come a point in time where you have to purchase one, Mm -hmm. and it's it's like you've got to go find the ring, not sit there and say, oh, I'll let the ring come to me. You know, and I'm not like, you got to go get it. You can't (laughs) sit here and be like, yeah, um, hmm. It's my birthday, and I know my birthday they do those fast food deals. So I think I'll just go with Steak and Shake today, like <laughs> on that deal. I love Steak and Shake, by the way. Nothing against it, but um, that was probably a really poor analogy, but I hope it makes sense. Of yeah. Like, when it's quarterback, you can't just sit there and think the guy's going to fall into your lap. You got to go get it.
1: You also gave me some advice there, so I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to your point about Matt Ryan, yards per completion this year nine point nine, lowest in his career.
0: Gosh, was it really? Um, What's the yards per attempt?
1: Yards per attempt is third lowest in his career. Uh, is Two lower were 2009-2010.
0: Is, is it at 7 or not Six
1: at 7?
0: 6.8. Yeah. Again, when Bursette was let go, I want to say it was 6.8 and like 59%. Obviously a little bit better there from a percentage standpoint. But,
1: um, yeah, the yards per attempt is still weak. Uh, great question, Brett. Uh, on to Mike. Uh, he says, so I know Frank called the Sam Ellinger decision a collaborative decision, uh, but in your opinion, how much of this is Jim Merce? Matt Ryan hasn't been amazing, but I don't think he's been bad enough to deserve benching.
0: You know, Mike, I think it's pretty well said. Um, heavy Jim Merce influence. Um, Heavy. Yeah, I, I, I don't think this gets made if you know, insert your owner that takes more of a back seat is running the show here. I don't. I don't think Elliger would have been elevated a couple weeks ago either. Um, and as I said earlier, I think it's Frank Reich reading the room. I, I don't know if it was Ursay coming right out being like, you're going to do this and there's no questions asked, but I do think it's a bit of a, yeah, I'm no dummy. I know what my owner is thinking with this. Um, and the Colts didn't didn't support him, Ryan, and I think that's accurate of what Reich said yesterday. I had a buddy of mine text me earlier today, Eddie. Of I've let myself to think the what if with Ellinger, you know, maybe, and I know that's fairy tale, but no one thought that with Matt Ryan past 2022. Two, three, the eternal optimist 2024. Like, and I guess that's again where I'm getting at the applause I have for the Colts of like, you've created, it's not a pound of hope, an ounce of hope with, okay. No one ever thought that Ellinger, or excuse me, that Ryan was going to give you that hope for four years or beyond. And again, a lot of people, I think, didn't think that it was possible even in this year. But now... You're going to get an answer on Ellinger, and you've also taken an action as a franchise to say, enough of this Band-Aid bull, you know what. We've got to finally get the bat off our shoulders and swing it. We finally have to dive into the pool. You finally have to take a committed, risky, monumental approach at that position.
1: A little bit of trivia before we get to our uh, our next Twitter question. Kevin, when was the last time the Colts benched an established starting quarterback during the season?
0: I was thinking about that earlier today. Uh, I I would assume it was Tolzien.
1: 1995, Craig Erickson was benched. This is from Charlie Clifford on Twitter uh Cliff Wish 8. Who was his replacement that took over full time? Football? It it, indeed it was and what number did he wear?
0: Captain Comeback rocking 4?
1: Yes, sir. The stars I would, uh, are aligning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would. The only thing I would push back on is I think Tolzine did get benched after that season opener in 2017. Established um, starting quarterback. Established. There you go. That 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 phrase would be accurate. Um, gosh, I still have just horrific memories from that game in LA with Tolzine. First pass of the season, pick six.
1: Yep, against the Rams. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that. And
0: Chuck Pagano called them the 49ers after the game. Not. Alright, great. Sean McVay's first game as head coach.
1: Yeah, that was the year. Uh was that Jared Goff's like ridiculous year or, or Todd Gurley's like monster year where the they, they kind of like think broke out? Gurley, 2017. Yeah. Maybe it was golf. Uh Patrick is the next Twitter question. Uh Ryan's benching to be signals a warning shot across the bow. Of Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, if things continue to go sideways, which one would likely go first, or would they be paired? How likely is it to be a midseason firing if it sours?
0: Yo, Patrick, I ended my story with yesterday, and I guess I should just pull it up, of 1075fan.com. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, basically saying that this move now says, let me pull it up, so now the Colts will get an extended look at Ellinger with the looming quarterback question still glaring. It'll be one of the biggest and most important decisions this franchise has made in years. And now the question becomes even more apparent. Will Chris Bowden and Frank Reich be the ones making that decision? That's the next question for me. Who will be making, I cannot stress enough, and I said this yesterday, how big and monumental this decision will be in franchise terms it's it's bigger than just about anything you've had um how I view it I'll view it from the lens that I think Jim Mercy's viewing it and then I'll view it from my opinion. I believe that Reich is on a hotter seat. I think they both should be on equally as hot of seats. But I think Reich is on the hotter seat. Midseason firing, again, like, I mean, what does it solve? Do do you need to see Bubba Ventrone? That would be the only, like, big, you know, big thing there. And I can't recall many GMs ever to be fired midseason.
1: I'm still in the camp of... I think this falls back more on Chris Ballard than it does Frank because, as we talked about yesterday, like, the order of... Operation. Yeah, chain of command. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And just the way the roster was constructed.
0: I would agree, and I think ultimately Ballard got Ursa a sign off on this approach at quarterback, which goes back to the earlier point. Yeah. Um, I I think and this is me on just like NFL philosophy. I think my GM and QB should be tied at the hip. Mm-hmm. I know that that doesn't allow for a lot of wiggle room, but I think it's so important that that relationship and that pairing that if one goes, both needs to go.
1: Um, Conroy asks, are the Colts capable or allowed to trade Matt Ryan? Obviously, it's a brutal contract, and the trade deadline is fast approaching. Just curious if the Colts try to ship him for some super late-round picks and free up that cap hit. Oh, I mean, yeah, without quite—I'd assume you can trade him, right?
0: You can be traded twice in a year, can't you? Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, before Tuesday, without question.
1: I think so. Um, I I I don't know if it's like the NBA, but like I think the one team that he can't be traded to is Atlanta. Yeah, isn't that like is it was it Brogdon that can't be traded again, or I don't know something like that? It, of like, oh well, he, it's DeAndre Ayton that can't Ayton, be traded. Yeah. that can't be traded to the Pacers for a full season. Yeah, that
0: that's it. I know the NBA rules are different than the NFL, but yeah, I would see no reason why and make calls. Nick Foles, Matt Ryan. It would be wise for the Colts to move one of them by
1: Tuesday. Uh, dead cap hit next year is eighteen mil. Eighteen, the total, yeah. The total cap hit thirty five point two zero five.
0: I think if he retires, I think a big chunk of that. I thought I saw six million on the dead cap hit if he retires. So, isn't that a real question now?
1: I I would say so. Yeah.
0: If you're rehabbing a right shoulder injury, I would think so. I, I don't.
1: I mean, you're turning 38 years old and you look around the league, it's like, who else right. would want me? Right. Uh, another Mike asks, uh, why didn't the Colts bench Carson Wentz earlier last year uh, when he was struggling? Was that just stubbornness or just pure stupidity?
0: Yeah, Mike, that's a good question. I would say the turnovers for Ryan are much more glaring than Wentz's. Wentz had bad-looking turnovers. He didn't have the quantity, though, that Ryan had.
1: Also, Wentz was hurt early last season. And I think you are a little bit more into the playoff picture last year than you are right now.
0: Yeah, divisional trends have continued this season. Slow starts have continued this season. And it, it inevitably, and this is not Carson Wentz's fault, hell, it's not Matt Ryan's fault, it looks worse when you go through it for a second year. Ursay's bubbling now. You know, simmering, bubbling, it's overflowing.
1: Uh, Connor... He has the next question. I this is Connor from
0: Ireland. I've told you the story about how I ran into him in Florida. No. Did I tell you this? No. So it's Christmas last year. Was it last year? I think so. And all of a sudden, somebody taps me on the shoulder. I will not try and do Connor's brilliant accent. Um, but all of a sudden, he goes, no pod this week? I'm in Marco Island, Florida with my in-laws. I'm like, what? I'm like yeah you know yeah I'm on vacation man he's like oh I'm just joking I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pod I'm from Ireland uh became a Colts fan when started falling the NFL draft thought it was interesting really became a Colts fan in 2012 when they had the first pick uh, Connor I believe married I think it's a Michigan grad and that her family comes to Marco island every other year for Christmas
1: it's a pretty good story Connor from Ireland check your uh, DMs, by the way I just sent you a tweet
0: Oh boy! That's Want
1: your initial thoughts on this one to, uh
0: That could be that could be aggressive. I mean,
1: it's it's nothing like earth shattering. Just okay. Oh the, wow! The the specs on the the Titans' new stadium yeah, were released today.
0: It's beautiful.
1: It's like Allegiant, and uh, what's the Rams and Chargers' place called?
0: Got a uh, SoFi. Yeah. Gosh, I love that first picture. Yeah, the, uh, Go Nashville's going to gonna be getting a Super Bowl, right?
1: Yeah, they can view the specs. If, they're, if Colts fans are curious, uh, by going to Teron Davenport's Twitter. Uh, what is his handle? Uh, t. Davenport
0: NFL, I think.
1: Yeah, T. Davenport underscore NFL. Uh, he's got three pictures up on the first renderings of the Titans' new stadium. Uh, five questions left. Back to Connor. Okay. Uh, Colts should have played it safe, and not announced Ellinger as quarterback one until Matt Ryan is healthy. Announcing it now commits them to Sam for a while, regardless of his performance. Is this a tank announcement? If so, uh, does the fact that the Colts probably won't have a second-round trade capital due uh, to the Wentz injury factor into the timing?
0: I mean, Connor, again, to be honest with you, I think Jim Merce believes that this can be an upgrade in the short term. I think that combination with I think Ursay just believes we weren't going anywhere with Ryan. The trend was on the wall. I am a little surprised they didn't wait till Wednesday. I mean, Eddie, from a competitive advantage standpoint, you know, typically you see teams wait till Wednesday on this announcement. Um again, they could have kind of saved Ryan. They could have said, Yeah, you know, he's not healthy to play, we'll evaluate things moving forward, Sam will take the reps this week. And that's where I think you have a lot of this Ursay influence. I, I understand why people would look at this and think straight-up tanking. But I legitimately think that they believe that, given their offensive line and given the turnovers, that Ellinger can be an upgrade in, in the shortcoming. And by they, I, I really mean Ursay.
1: Seems pretty evident when you factor in all the comments that uh, Frank Reich made after the game, saying that Ryan's our guy and still and... You know, we have Matt Ryan. Yeah. Kevin, we have Matt Ryan. <laughs> 24 hours later. Uh, t- Tyler says, has the writing on the wall for this move been since Sam Ellinger was elevated to QE2? Yes. If we would have lost to Jacksonville last week, would Ellinger have started Sunday's game? Appreciate you, Kevin. What a crazy day.
0: Yeah. Amen to that, Tyler. Um, Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what it was, Eddie. I heard... I guess it would have been just before, yeah, right after the Denver game, um, I had heard that Jim Irsay wanted Ryan benched. So I think the initial elevation of Ellinger was to appease the owner, and then this was the final straw. Basically, Ryan had one more stinker, clunker of a game, and he had that on Sunday in Nashville, and there you go. It's why I committed so much time on it. Last week, you know, Ellinger getting the promotion to backup. I, one thing on Ellinger, Eddie, that I wanted to sneak in before we wrap up. When you look at Sam Ellinger's football life, and again, his personal life, tragic. His father dies in a heart attack, finishing a triathlon when he was in eighth grade. Um, his brother dies last year. I, I believe it was suicide. I, I guess I probably should have looked that up before I said that, but um, I believe that was the case You know, right after he gets drafted. And then you look at him football-wise. When you think of college football and the closest thing that high school football gets to college football, I would venture to guess it would be playing Texas high school football. Well, Sam Ellinger did that at Westlake, ironically enough, where Nick Foles also went to high school, where I believe Drew Brees went to high school as well. That's a very prominent high school. And Sam Ellinger was the quarterback of a Texas high school football team. That's a pretty big deal. Sam Ellinger then becomes a four-year starter at Texas. The closest thing you're going to get to simulating NFL pressure in college football, I'd venture to guess at putting a four-year starting job at Texas right up there with any other. With how nuts that state is, a Texan and Sam Ellinger, all of that. So I guess what I say is, this is not some dude from Southern Illinois starting at quarterback on Sunday. This is not Jacob Eason, who experienced some things in college as a freshman in the SEC and starting for Washington. But like Sam Ellinger started over 40 games at college. Yeah, he hasn't played in, you know, two years, but he has been put into some big time pressure pack situations in high school and in college. I know full well it is a giant leap to what he's going to experience on Sunday. But I think part of his makeup, part of the just obsession the Colts have with his character and leadership comes from those experiences. So I want to sneak that in there.
1: Uh, you have time for these last three, or do you? Yes, okay. yes,
0: yes, yes. What do we got?
1: Uh, Jay Sacco. I think I'm saying that right.
0: Oh, is this our Australian guy? Maybe. I think so. I think he. Uh, I think he mentioned in there he's from Sydney. Uh,
1: I don't think I don't see it in here. So maybe you took it out.
0: Yeah, maybe I did. Yeah, I think he's from Sydney.
1: Uh, first, I wish the cult's performances would reflect the quality of your podcasts. Have been looking forward to them as always every week. Uh, thank you. Uh, was just wondering why the Colts' running game has been predominantly from the shotgun this season. Is it purely based on the offensive line struggles? I feel like in years past, we've had so much success with Jonathan Taylor or Marlon Mack uh, when the quarterback is under center. Was wondering why we have completely gone away from that this season.
0: Well, first, thank you for the con words. I appreciate that. Yeah, that, that is interesting. It's something I probably need to look into a little bit more. Obviously, the Wisconsin days for Taylor, he was primarily from an under-center situation. I do think, again, Eddie, I would think the presence of Sam Allinger should help the run game.
1: Of just, mm-hmm.
0: you know, making that DN pause for a second, you can't crash down, those sorts of things. Bootlegs. Do you see some read option, bootlegs, all of that. I think that should open up the box a little bit, um, so I am eager to see how all that plays
1: out uh steve hi kevin big fan of the morning show and the podcast thank you steve can you speak to if the offensive line injuries are a factor this season or are any injuries not being brought to light who is the current offensive line coach and will this person be the first to let go his name is chris strasser and do you think he is the first that is gone kevin
0: boy i mean at this point nothing on that front um I guess if there is a change there, or if there is continued issues there, I, I I do think that's a name to keep an eye on. Who's hurt? You know, no one, I really think, on the injury report. I mean, Kelly missed with a, you know, a, I guess a couple of days of the hip and Mitch, what was that, the Denver game where he missed like the second half? Nelson has been on there, but it's been full. I don't think Brain Smith's been on there. Same thing with Matt Pryor. Dennis Kelly, I guess, same thing there. Um, I think I mentioned it a little bit ago. Or a few pods ago, I should say. Eddie, I just think it's the wear and tear of injury starting to add up. And in particular, it's Kelly. I mean, Nelson, again, he had three surgeries. And God, there are a couple of plays on Sunday, man, when Nelson's just getting either moved out of the way or just thrown to the ground. I think Tart put him on his butt one time. Again, the Simmons face mask, that's Simmons just getting Nelson three yards in the backfield. Yeah. Autry drew the holding penalty, if I'm not mistaken, on Nelson as well. Um, So I I, I would say more of accumulation of injuries more than just injuries this year.
1: Last question comes from Thomas. Uh, hey, Kevin, in my opinion, the worst thing we can do for the health of the franchise in two to three, eight years from now is scratch and claw our way to an 8-8-1 eight, eight and one record, knowing this core and quarterback just can't get it done. Uh, when do you hit the switch and play Ellinger? Well, that question has been answered. He's not saying that uh, they should tank necessarily, but they've got to get the quarterback of the future in this coming draft and picking at 18-ish just doesn't help.
0: Eddie, I mentioned this before. Um, You know, there are different types of fans. That's the beauty of fandom. There's totally different types of fans. Yes. And there is a section of the fan base that looks forward to going to Colts games every single week. And all they care about is seeing, seeing a win or loss. Live totally in the short term. Win, win, win. At all costs um, don't care about long-term future. I want to see my team win. I don't want to see them lose. And I get that. Then you probably have others that will say, I'll take a step back for potentially future benefit or future hope in this case, which is probably where you're at right now. So again, I, I really, really understand, um, both sides of it and realize that there's people on both of that. So, um, you know, Thomas, to your point, and again, I think I've shared this on the podcast, I probably side with more of a one-eye towards the future with that. you know, We had a caller call into the show today, Eddie, and say, what the Colts are doing is a heist. He He's a season ticket member. Mm-hmm. It's a financial heist mm-hmm. in doing what they're doing. Um, there are some people that I think are in that boat, but I feel like I've heard a decent amount of others that are saying, I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Like Some people are saying... I watched a boring offensive product with Matt Ryan not get much success. Now I'm watching a different style quarterback under center. Can't be as boring there. Um, And it is a chance to potentially tap into the future. So, I think, again, it's kind of both sides of it with that one.
1: A couple things for me. Uh, Did you see... The uh, comment that Michael Pittman Jr.'s dad left on somebody's post on Instagram it was on Twitter yesterday.
0: No, I, I did not. This this sounds juicy. This sounds like high school football drama.
1: Um, he said he added the guy who added him, it looks like. Um, he says, Jr. loves playing for Indy and loves the fans. I don't think he's ever leaving. I appreciate those words about Jr. as well. Thank you.
0: No. Oh. Well, that that that, that wasn't drama filled. That sounds pleasant, right? Right. Yeah. I think question's about a quote, right? That uh Pittman had post game.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um uh and then the final thing in order of business since we're not doing another pod this week, you have to make the Tuesday prediction oh, for Sunday.
0: Gosh, I don't love it. Um Col- I really like Washington's defensive line.
1: Colts commanders.
0: Yeah, I like I like Washington's D line. 425. 425.
1: 2019
0: Commanders. Ooh. I think Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne's a pretty good trio. It doesn't sound like Chase Young will be back just yet. Return to practice, but not back just yet. And I think they still have enough weapons. I, I really like Heineke's Moxie. I, I just I've, I've kind of been a Heineke guy. Um, again, I don't think Ellinger is going to look horrific. I I don't think it's going to be like. I don't think it's going to be him pissing down his leg. I don't. I just worry about the O line, frankly, holding up against what 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 I think is a pretty good front. I don't love Washington's talent at a lot of other places. I don't love what they have on the back end. Um, Yeah, you know, I don't think their O line's great, but I'll go Washington f- twenty nineteen. Maybe it's because it's bitter because I had some financial stake on Green Bay. Ooh. Which means, should I then pick against them? I, I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but that's where I'm going. How about you? Uh, well, what's the line?
1: Or has uh, it been taken off the board? That's what I was about to rattle off. Uh, commanders are three-point underdogs. Still. Yes. Interesting. Uh, that
0: opened at four, I thought.
1: Yeah. Um, according to Caesars, Colts are a three-point favorite.
0: Gosh, it shows you how much people thought of Matt Ryan
1: total 40
0: boy that's low wait well 2019 would seem to achieve that so yeah I'm going 2019 commanders how about you
1: I'm going seventeen fourteen, and I will take the newfound life and optimism of the Indianapolis <laughs> cult
0: I love it Target Glenn of the building ring of honor I love that do find it fitting that The Colts continue to search for the left tackle, and Tara Glenn is the Ring of Honor member here um, this season. Uh, And this is the game that he's going in there for. Um, So, yeah, anything else? Daniel Snyder, Jim Irsay, will will that be the halftime? Got the boxing gloves? Uh, Yeah,
1: exactly. On, On center stage...
0: Talking to someone with the Colts, they're like, well, for Ursae to survive that one, he might need a prop or two. I don't think if they just went just straight up knuckles. I don't know if that'd be the best thing there for Jim (laughs) against Daniel Snyder. But we'll see if any pregame interaction between those two. Uh, Eddie, thank you. I know it's been a busy 24 hours, part of life on the pod. uh, But I appreciate you being flexible with us. We'll be back on Monday to recap Colts and Commanders. See ya.